Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, Kevin's laughing at himself. Uh, thanks for thanks for checking us out. If, yeah. you, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Hope you enjoy it, and please like, subscribe, follow. Go follow all of our social media platforms: Instagram, Twitter, all those. Um, subscribe on YouTube, and yeah. So, how are you, Kevin? Good. Just Good. full of laughs. It's <laughs> uh, funny that you say that. I was talking to a guy that listens to this. And he said he said something about you. He's he's like he's like your buddy. You know, sometimes it's almost like he's an eighteen year old. I'm like, yep. I'm like, that's him. Yeah. Which I don't think there's anything wrong with it. That's most veterans, I would say, that, like yeah. combat veterans. Well, it's funny because he he's a vet. Oh, okay. So he probably gets it. Yeah. But, but no, uh, yeah, it's cool. We're getting we're getting a lot of good feedback on this, and it seems to be getting better and better. Um, so that's a good. Good thing, for sure. Um, I do have to make a shout out. So, Dodd's Coffee Company sent us some coffee. They did not pay us to say this or anything like that, but he did send us coffee, which was awesome. And they're based out of Oregon, and it was really good coffee. I wouldn't be on here talking about how good it was if it wasn't. I'm kind of a kind of a snob when it comes to good, coffee. Good beans. Good beans. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was really good. Um, and it was really cool. Him, he sent sent some coffee and a couple magnets and a little nice note nice. for us. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. And yeah. So wanted to shout him out. If you guys want to check out their coffee, it's Dodd's Coffee Company. They have a website. They have a Instagram. All that good stuff. So go check them out and order yourself some coffee. Tell them we sent you. <laughs> Even though. They wouldn't do anything probably because they're not like a sponsor or anything. But tell them we sent you. Tell, tell them Jake sent you. No, but yeah, go check them out. There was really good coffee. So yeah, so our guest today is Archie Lewis. He's a former Boise State football player. He's a mental performance coach. There we go. And he does a sports and performance psychology. But he right now he works with uh, the military. With psychology stuff, so yeah, with uh, pilots down there, yeah, Fort Rucker, yeah, in Alabama. So that's really cool. And he was he was a really good guest. Um, we dug into a lot of different things on this one. Talked about uncomfortable conversations with race, which was kind of kind of cool to talk about. I think that's important, and we talk about that in the podcast. So listen all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. So we hope you guys are enjoying it, and if you are. Subscribe, like, leave a review, and we will see you next week. Yep. Bye. What is it? What is it you do for work? So uh, I work as a. It's called Master Resilience Trainer. Uh, basically, what we do, it's a contracted uh, job or. It's a company we're basing on a contract and we do a sport and performance psychology for the military. So we get to help on like the mental side of performance for uh, people over here. At, well, for me specifically at Fort Rucker in Alabama. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah Cause I, I remember we'd been, you know, talking through DMS and you mentioned yeah. something about uh, helping veterans and stuff in military. So that's cool. Yeah. I, was, I was wondering what it was you did. Yeah, no, it's a fun gig, man. For somebody like me being like young and 26 and being able to do what I'm doing right now, like I don't mind it at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> That's a, it's a, probably a cool world to be in. Yeah. For not sure. for sure. Yeah. I went to Alabama once. I really liked, I liked the people, you know, I liked the environment. We were in a, a sniper school and we had this like two day weekend. And so me and my buddy, he's from Alabama. Yeah. Went to go see his parents and it was somewhere near Dothan. But we drove to Dawson and we got in a whole lot of trouble at the strip club there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but other than that, dude, Alabama was pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I don't even – I'm from California initially. So coming out here was a giant – I still got my marker in my head. It was a giant culture shock. So oh, it's it was way different. Like being in Boise, Boise was great just because it's, it's Boise. You play on the team. Everybody knows who you are. So that's great. Mm-hmm. But going from there to back to California for a master's degree and then coming back to or going to Alabama, it was a whole different, oh, yeah. a whole different ball game, man. I could, man. I could imagine. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you about that, about 
coming to Boise? Because what what years what years were you here? What years did you play for BSU? From twenty, because I gray shirted, so I came in, I believe, twenty twelve, and then left uh, December twenty seventeen. So I played in that last game against Oregon. Mm. We beat them at the uh, Vegas Bowl. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Because like we grew up here, and here in Boise, it was never a really diverse place. It was yeah. mostly white people. We had like a few Mexican people and that yeah. was it pretty much. There was like what two black kids in our school in elementary school. Uh-huh. So not, not that much diversity. And I, as, as time's gone on, it's become a more and more diverse place, yeah. which, which I think is important to have. To have not for sure. It, I don't know. I think it's, it's good to be around people that aren't like yourself. Yeah. Well, what you notice too <laughs> is when people are, I guess unaccepting of others, whether it's because they're black, Mexican, they're gay, transsexual, whatever. I guess it's not a word anymore, transsexual. I can't remember what it is, but it's just because they're not around it. You you fear what you don't know. And that Mm -hmm. fear turns into anger, which is a secondary emotion, right? So it's easy to go to that secondary emotion, anger. Fuck you, you're different. You know, Mm -hmm. like, whoa, let's back up, you know, let's slow the reaction time down. Why are they different? Try to understand that person, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause, yeah, we grew up around here too with a lot of intolerance for, you know, gay people too. Yeah, and it was it was just it was just a social norm. Like, oh, those guys are fags. You yeah, know? like it was it, everyone was. And you know? I think that's gen our generation and older generations. Like things like that were, it was acceptable to say shit like that. Yeah, and and as we get older and you realize like that's fucked up, and no matter somebody's background, they doesn't make make them a bad person it's no it's crazy to me and i think i think it's different lifestyles and different backgrounds are more socially acceptable now than than ever yeah but what's what's not accepted this is like the big thing i've been talking about for a long time that bothers me is because like we know spencer actually like their prison system is just fucked up you know and so by taking someone who's a nonviolent offender right and whether what are their skin color they are but obviously people have been treated a lot fucking harsher you know for marijuana violations right but when you put them in the prison system now how much harder is that person to get a job when they're out and what kind of quality of life can they get on minimal pay yeah and then so now they're gonna have to live in slums they're gonna be alcoholics because they're depressed because their life isn't what they want it to be and then the senators are all like we want to clean the streets up and get away from those people it's like they're that way because you did that to them Mm -hmm. If you did not incarcerate them, they would have better paying jobs and could be productive, you know? So it's like, you can't complain about something you're creating, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's total. Oh, no. I think he's frozen. You froze. Oh, you're back. Okay. We're back. <laughs> I was freezing on mine too. I was like, oh, what happened? <laughs> but no, from like what you were saying, I agree completely. Or it gets to a point to where they're just institutionalized to where all they know is that system. So they're going to be more apt to go back just because that's the one place where, I mean, you just, it's just ingrained into you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's crazy because I, I used to work at a, a boys group home before or while I was getting my master's degree. So a bunch of at-risk youth, people that have like court cases, they got felonies, they got all this stuff. And I think it's crazy how it starts. You see that institutionalism start there to where like, each one of the groups of kids, you have like your 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 Mexican group here, you have your black group here, you have your white group here, and it just starts there. And it's crazy to see how like it's legit. They're playing they're playing prison before they get there. Yeah. So by time by time like they hit age eighteen or whatever, and it's no longer okay. You go to juvie, you get this, and you get right out. It's like no, like you're getting big boy time. They're just pre-programmed to be ready to go back into that system. Mm-hmm. And I think is I think it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And like, I mean, you probably have a, a different perspective than we do on a lot of things because of the way you were raised and being raised in different places. Yeah. So what was it like to come? Well, I mean, I mean, I guess like you said in Boise, you were you were an athlete here, so you're kind of a, a celebrity a little bit. Especially <laughs> little bit. In, especially in Boise, because BSU is like the that's it, man. You know, there's yeah. no no pro teams. But when you were here, like I mean, I'm sure you living here, you saw it's not that diverse of a place. Did you feel uncomfortable when you first came here or how, how'd that go? I think at first a little bit, just because 
coming from where I came from in uh, Rancho Cucamonga. So it's a weird name. If you've seen Next Friday or Workaholics mm-hmm. or one of the shows exactly. you've heard in Rancho. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Rancho was so diverse to where you had everything. You had your Filipinos, you had your Blacks, you had your Tongans, you had your Samoans, you had everything in like a mixing pot or melting pot. So coming to Boise initially, I was just like, this is different. Like it was weird when you're just the only Black kid in your class other than your one or two teammates. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you just get used to, I mean, it's like a fraternity anyways, once you're a part of any sport. So you really only hung out with those people within your sport. So it was really cool for the fact that being on the team, it was, it was semi-diverse. Like you had your, your whites, your Hispanics, your blacks, everybody there, but it was, a it was the same thing as a melting pot, like from, from there. I mean, some of my closest friends, they're either Hispanic or, or white or, or black just from that team that I mm-hmm. still keep in contact with today. So as far as the outside environment, I would say it was a little bit different, but in terms of the camaraderie that we had within the team, it was, a, you, you saw a decent amount of everything. Like you weren't just the only black kid on the team. Like you had a mixture of everything there. So yeah. it was, it was pretty diverse once you got to the actual team aspect, but outside it's like, whoa, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And like I said here, it's with the way we're growing in Boise, it's getting more diverse, Yeah, which that's good. Like mm-hmm. I, I loved, I love to see the growth. I mean, I think there is a point where it needs to kind of mellow out on the growth aspect of it, just because you, this place isn't built for that many people. It's not, we're not ready. Like the roads <laughs> and the, the infrastructure is just not ready for that many people. But we've talked about this before, I think on here, but it's funny because you get like the older generation of Idahoans who like hate the fact all these Californians are moving here. All these people are moving here. And, and it's like, man, I, I like living here. Why wouldn't they want to live here? It's a yeah. really good place to live. Right. It's cool. It's just, it's an interesting perspective to have. Like for living in Boise when you grew up here, cause it was kind of growing still when you were growing up, but like, say you move to, I don't know, like Missoula, or you're moving to somewhere in Alabama, like, you're in a place where it doesn't really fluctuate it kind of stays the same people come people go people die people were born but it kind of stays relatively the similar the same it's like i don't remember what it was like to live in a city like that because it's just always growing and developing and i was like i would just love for it to stop and just people to enjoy what we we have now yeah. you know now so it's almost like i kind of just want to leave for a while just leave yeah. like i did for the military it was nice lived in places where it wasn't growing it was nice you know i'm um, just having that so I don't know. I just hate that it's growing so much. It's just too yeah. much, too much change at once. You know, yeah. you can no, I hear that. you for sure. You can I mean, so quickly. as far as like the economy goes though, it's probably helping out a, a bunch, especially okay. like with the whole thing with uh, COVID and the school getting shut down and not as many people being able to come to games and all those businesses. Yeah. Like I know so many of my friends that are doing real estate that are making a killing right now. Yeah. In Boise. yeah. It's insane. Like all like former players. I don't know if y'all have ever like heard of like Elliot or like T horn or, mm-hmm all those guys like they're they're doing fantastic right now yeah. from doing yeah. real estate so yeah it's yeah. the the housing prices here have not slowed down they're just going up 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 and no up. they just shot up recently by a ton yeah like um, we we moved in to a new home just about a year ago yeah and the prices in this subdivision already it's like double almost double what we paid for house. it's it's insanity. And yeah. there's, there's people moving here without even looking at the house. Sight unseen, buy it and move in from out of state. Yeah. What's rough is the people who grew up here are kind of having to move out or at least move out of Boise, you know, go to Nampa, Caldwell, wherever, Jerome, wherever, Yeah. you know, cause the people that are able to, the people are driving to market up are the ones coming in paying cash for a house, yeah. you know, just selling like a three bedroom, two bedroom house for seven, 800 grand and paying for something in cash and getting vehicles, right. You're driving yeah. the market up which is killing the people who are, have been permanent residency for a long time. Can't afford it. Yeah. That cause it happened to us. Like I, yeah, it sucks. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. We're just grumpy, grumpy old man. I was going to say, I'm just just about to get toxic. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's, I don't know. Like, like I said, I get it. I get wanting to live somewhere nice, but it would be nice if it slowed down a little bit. So like, what's it like in, in Alabama where you live? Is that like a pretty steady area or is it growing or what? um not it's a military town so people come and go a Mm. lot so i mean honestly it's it's very different i i don't know how else to describe it but different because it's a small town but there's a decent amount of people there like i said just because of the military so 
man, I, I really don't know how to describe it. It's just different. Like just from what I'm accustomed to, yeah, like the yeah. weather here is different. I didn't know, I didn't understand humidity, yeah, like mm. that until I got here, and I was like, "Yo, what? You mean it's 100 degrees, but it feel like it's 120? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, dying. Yeah, like you show up and you're like, why is everyone walking around with towels on their shoulders? Yeah, like dude, because the, the first time I went to Georgia, that's how I felt. I was like, who's got fucking towels on their shoulders? I was like, oh shit, I get it now. Because I'd be in, like the movie theater, just sweating my my tits off, you know. How how long have you been living there? <laughs> About a year, year and a uh, year and three months, year and four months. Yeah, yeah. That's that's seeing. I can't relate to to living somewhere that I've never been. I've lived in Idaho my whole life, and really? I've never lived anywhere else. I've traveled, I've seen other places, but I've never spent. You know, I've never lived anywhere else. So yeah. And sometimes, like if if I was younger and single and didn't have kids, I might do something like that. I might go off and explore, but. I don't know. Like I was, I had, I had kids pretty young and I wanted to raise them here. So yeah. I, we never went anywhere, never moved anywhere. So it's, yeah. it's a, uh, I don't know. And we've, we've actually been talking recently about like, maybe we should look at like Eastern Idaho, like where there's not as many people and it's yeah. a beautiful country over there. But that's the other thing. It's like, it's unknown. It's scary. I'm like, no, I, I like living where I've been my most of my <laughs> life. I'm comfortable here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to like, like sports psychology, like I like, like I'm interested in how you approach it because I, I like the methods of kind of reaching back and dealing with people's unresolved issues mm-hmm. that are causing them to feel more angst than they should. Like if they're yeah. gonna work out hard or perform, right? Like I'm one of those people who when I got out of the military, I did like a couple of CrossFit competitions. Yeah, and I would have essentially adrenal dump before I even started or right when I started, and it would just I'd just be toast for the rest of the day yeah. or two days because I just couldn't keep my emotions level right yeah experiences you know but then there's that approach like the david goggins approach which is just shut the fuck up stop crying and carry the boat like yeah okay but you're probably not going to live that long and <laughs> and you, your relationships aren't that good right yeah so do you anyway so how do you kind of approach that whole scenario Oof. so i mean I mean, that's a great example of energy management there and like hitting on the whole thing of like adrenal dump um, the way I look at sports psychology now more so and how I approach it here on base, um, we have a lot of pilots, uh, helicopter pilots. So they're coming in, they're trying to get the top of their own mail so they can get this helicopter, this, yeah, this helicopter as opposed to that one. So some people want Chinook, some people want Apache, some people want Blackhawks, and they're fighting to get like those specific spots because they can only get so many. And things that I personally see in them, like my, my approach here is the fact that people get inside their own heads while they're trying to perform so let's say you're with your ip on a check ride and they're telling you to do a specific maneuver and they end up messing up on that maneuver like that one time and they have to come back and do a, a retest or a recheck ride they get back in the aircraft the ip says do it again and they're having so many counterproductive thoughts that it's affecting the way that they're, they're feeling it's affecting what they're doing like holding the cyclic they're being rigid with it they can't actually like move smoothly it's affecting them so a lot of things that we do here is going about creating specific like cues or finding ways to get better control of your thoughts up here. Because, I mean, as research shows, the way you think impacts how you feel emotionally and what you actually do. So by grabbing more so control of those aspects of your thoughts, you can control a lot of things with your performance. Because a lot of times if you're thinking very kind of productively and you're just saying, oh, shit, I'm a fuck up here. I'm a mess up here. I'm a mess up here. When you're in the aircraft, odds are you're going to be feeling anxious. And on top of that, I mean, now you're in a spot where physically you might be feeling more rigid. So Mm -hmm. there's no way you're going to be able to smoothly maneuver back and forth within the aircraft. So a lot of things with pilots here that I personally focus on is getting control of thoughts up here because it affects the way you perform, whether that's in the aircraft, whether that's when you're at the range, whether that's wherever, and coming up with those specific cues to get yourself back on task. Because again, if your attention is shifting to so many different areas that you're not focused on the task at hand, odds are you're not performing to the best of your abilities. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of things that we, we hit on here, but a lot of times what we see is just pilots just getting up here and it's that whole thing of a mental block. They're just getting in their own heads and now they just can't perform the way they need to. Right. That's, that's really cool. That's, it's really cool just to have someone that can mentor you and coach you into that. Cause most yeah. people don't, don't, or if they do think about it, maybe just aren't introspective enough. Like, yeah. Oh wait, can I perform better? Or what's going on in my head? What's affecting me right now? Yeah. The, the rigidity. I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah, that's, 
Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's it's really hard to like. It's easier for people to be like, okay, like get your diaphragm diaphragmatical breathing down. You know, breathing yeah. <laughs> for a second. And you're like, fuck you, I'm freaking out. I'm having a heart attack right now. Yeah. Like, like it. Yeah, it's so hard to control your mind because your mind is, you know, it's it's your sympathetic nervous system. So your back is back starts getting tight, and then your everything else is responding. You know, um, dude. It, and, and so yeah, it's really hard to be good at mad managing all that while it's happening yeah. you know it's yeah that's, Not for that's sure. really cool. and it takes like one thing that we stress here and i feel like anybody that does a job or does sports psychology is the importance of deliberately practicing it because self-awareness is great but self-awareness just for the sake of just having self-awareness is pointless if you don't put what you're learning into practice yeah so the whole idea of getting that deliberate practice, okay, of saying, okay, now that I understand that this is what's happening, how can I pre-plan to make sure that when this event happens, that I have something I could tell myself to get myself back to baseline so I can perform the way I need to. Mm. Like there's, there's so many different things that you can throw in there, but if you're not deliberately practicing once you have that whole idea or aspect of self-awareness, you're kind of just shooting yourself in the foot because I mean, it, you're not going to be able just to get in the aircraft or be at the range and just expect to phone one in and hope it works the way it needs to. Like it takes that deliberate practice right? in those situations where maybe it's low stress. So by the time you get to the real deal, it's just, I can perform, I can focus. Yeah. No, it's like that saying, you know, failure provides the path forward, but mm -hmm. if you don't actually take the path. You're just going to keep on failing and suffering, yep. you know, like, yeah, you got to ride that path and work yep. through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, yeah. I've been doing that shit myself for finally, you know, so it's, I totally get that. <laughs> so how, how'd you end up getting into working like uh, with vets and military and stuff like that? Oh man. So once I got done playing uh, at Boise, I was getting ready for the league. And at that point I've already had uh, three knee surgeries and I was prepping I was training and I messed up my knee again. So the doctor legit was like, you know, either you can get your shit together or you can try this out, but you'll probably need like a knee replacement by the time you're 28. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I should probably get my shit together because I don't <laughs> want a knee replacement by the time I'm 28. So <laughs> uh, at that point, ended up going back home where I was getting, uh, where I got into California Baptist University, um, got my master's in sport performance psychology. But while I was there, I was working with ROTC a decent amount because we didn't have a football team there. So I was working with um, a few of the other sports teams, but ROTC was that one spot to where it was like, this is just like football, the camaraderie here, the brotherhood here, like this is dope as hell. And it was something that was hard. It was rigid, but it was like they, everybody's putting in everything to get one central, one common goal. Mm. And uh, working with them and working with uh, one of the master sergeants, he told me about one of the jobs or told me about the job that I'm doing now. And it was like, yo, you, you'd love this. Like, this would be dope for you. And you get to help a decent amount of people. So me and him sat down, we talked about it. I ended up um, making sure I was good to go. I mean, I had the job before I was even done with my uh, master's program. I was like, I got to get this shit lined up because I need to get out the house. Like nobody wants to be at home. So, <laughs> so I uh, had it lined up before I graduated. And here I am in uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama. Wow, man. That's, that's cool that, that you could go from like being an athlete to probably thinking you were going to be working with athletes. Yeah. And then it, your world spins and now you're working with, with military. That's, that's yeah. kind of cool that, that it led that direction. And I would have, I would have never thought to be honest. And on top of that, that whole process of going from athlete to this was difficult as hell. Like that's its own journey in and of itself. Yeah. Even for anybody was, that knows transition, it's hard. I was going to yeah. ask you, cause I saw it today on your Instagram, you posted that question about like yeah. how was transition for for military for athletes stuff like that so how about for you like when you got done playing how'd that transition go it was difficult uh i had a past experience that set me up mentally for it but for me personally it was it was difficult as hell just because again your identity is so focused in that one thing and i know colleges more so now are doing a lot to take care of student athletes while they're there but a lot of times, like you're not taking that, you're not taking it as seriously because you're so focused on your sport and you're so focused on, okay, I got to be ready for this game. I got to be ready for this. I got to be ready for that. So by the time you're done, you don't really know a lot about how the real world works. Um, I mean, I mean, for, I know like decent amount of people on my team that didn't know how to write a resume, didn't know what LinkedIn was, never did an actual mock interview. 
And there's so many things within student athlete, like development or student athlete transition that I think needs to get adjusted on and, and fixed just based on my experience and experience of other athletes. But it was a difficult process, but I was lucky that I had a good support system around me that helped me get to where I needed to get to. And like I said, the past experience that I had really mentally got me like ready for the whole idea of transition. So it was difficult, but I had, I had the right mindset and the right people in my corner. That's, I think that's, that's really important. The having the right people in your corner. Yeah. There's, there's people out there that think they can go at shit alone and maybe some people can, but I think it's important to, to have people there to have your back when you need yeah. it, have people you can fall back on when you need help with something or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you gotta be, you gotta just have humility. A lot of people just, some people just innately can be humble. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say like, I'm humbled by this or that, but like, yeah, are you really, you're not that humble of a person, but cause humility is shown through a, a, adaptation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause I don't really have much of an ego about my military experience. And I started VSU. I'm a senior now, but I started at 29. So I was a freshman with like 18, 19 year olds who like, I could have been like, Oh, this is a waste of my time. These kids are fucking stupid. <laughs> or I could sit there and have an, an awesome conversation with them and just clown around, mm-hmm. which is what I did. Yeah. yeah I went that route <laughs> and it was easier because you'd see other veterans in there and they would have that isolated kind of like walls are up and everything. It's like, man, yeah. you're going to just suffer. You know, you only, you only live once. Don't just wall, don't wall yourself in yeah. emotionally because you know just let it go just have that humility and just open up you know um and it was way it made it way easier because you know it just made it easier to do group projects and just be in class with people who cares how old they're a lot of the kids in 19 are fucking old souls dude yeah you know they're cool to hang out with so (laughs) that kind of goes back to what i was saying about like doesn't matter your background and stuff yeah You, you can get along and like with what we see on like the news and stuff with all the how divided everybody is yeah with freaking everything where i don't think we're that divided i yeah. really don't it's it's a small group of people that are making everybody look a certain way yeah yeah and yeah. and don't get me wrong there's people that they pick their group and that's their group and they're going to stay that way and they're not going to bring let anybody else in but i don't think that's most of us you know I, I i'm always looking for people different than me i want to know like like what makes them tick what how'd they grow up that's why i want to start this i mean i wanted yeah. to talk to people from like as it says in our in our bio all walks of life because just because someone's from a different place than you doesn't make them a bad person and i've i've said that probably at nauseum on this podcast but it's (laughs) it's how i feel i legitimately feel that way like like for instance you're from you're from california now you live in alabama you were an athlete all that i was not and i'm from here but i have a feeling just from talking to you through like our dms and stuff we could be buddies. We could get along and hang out and, and our backgrounds have nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't, I don't get people who shut other people out just because they're different. That's never made sense to me. No, that's a good mindset to have, to be honest. I wish more people had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause it would end a lot of random bullshit that probably just doesn't need to happen at all. It, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. And then, I mean, it doesn't help that like, over this past year is a prime example. All we're seeing online or on the news is how divided everybody is. Yeah. And I don't think it's that way. It's because we're just don't. It's easy to get separated from people if we isolate ourselves. And then it makes you neurotic when someone is going through neurosis, right? Being the act of being neurotic, they are like always set in their ways. This is how it is. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. It's like, Whoa, dude, like, and it goes back to humility again. Like, say you're an asshole to somebody because a little bit different than you and you treat them like shit. And then you take off in your car and your car breaks down a mile down the road and then they come help you. It's like, you should treat that person that's helping you now the way they before, the way they, when they were helping you, because you yeah. never fucking know, mm-hmm. you never fucking know when you have to change your attitude and your tune because someone is now helping you and yeah. you're in a position of vulnerability that you should just always be somewhat vulnerable around people. You know, not in a sense to just get taken advantage of, obviously, you know, but, you know, in a healthy amount, right? Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad you hit on that whole idea of vulnerability, especially with the story that you said earlier about, like, you relearning, like, college and being around, like, certain people and having to open up and things like that. Like, with, with our generation, I feel like for, for men, at least, and this is something that, like, I try to stress is that vulnerability is, like, the most powerful thing that you have 
because I mean, in order for you to, to build relationships, you're going to have to be vulnerable. In order for you to connect with people, you have to be vulnerable. And having that tough, hard exterior doesn't mean anything at the end of the day if you go home and you still hate everything about yourself or life or whatever. So having that vulnerability allows you to, to get help if you need it or just to be able to build those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And that just means you got to, if you have, if you have the, if you have the opportunity to have two parents at home growing up, that you would have a father who is that way, not just yeah. isolated alcoholic or tells you just, you know, don't be a bitch, you know, you're, you're a pussy, whatever. Cause then they're building that into somebody. Yeah. And then that person is not resilient. And then that guy who has that tough exterior, like for instance, like they pointed out for going through, you know, buds or selection to become a green beret, those guys who have that or get broken down real fucking quick. And if they're not used to having that vulnerability, they're not going to make it. But I think you too, know? like, yeah, it helps to have a good example growing up. That helps tremendously. I mean, I, I had, like I had, I had two examples. I had the good and the bad with me. Right. I had my birth father who was a piece of shit. He, it was abusive and alcoholic, all that stereotypical stuff. And then I had my stepdad who came around when I was like seven and he showed me like, this is what a man does. This is how you take care of your families. This is how, and he wasn't, I wouldn't even say he was super emotionally available. He was kind of a hard ass, but he never laid a hand on me. He, he didn't have to, I was terrified of him and he, he just had to look at me a certain way and I'd be like, yes, sir. <laughs> but I think that helps to have somebody, but also I think, there's personal accountability and even people that come from a completely shitty place in life, they can get to a better place. Yeah. And I think it's for some people, it's harder than others for sure. Whether yeah. you're raised extremely poor with no money or you're where you come from matters, stuff like that. But I think it can be done. Right. There, there is a path right. to, you have to, like to change, build that emotional resiliency, yeah. even if it's on your own some way, but you, I don't know. I feel like for me to do it, I needed help. Yeah, it took people around me. I what? guess not help, but people around. Well, that's me. what we were talking about earlier. People to fall back on. Yeah, having the right people around you that matters, big time. There, yeah. Okay. I think with that though, just to add in something with that, I mean, it's like you said with the thing accountability. I think there is mainly just for the sake of, I mean, some of my dad used to always tell me the most powerful thing you have in life is choice. Mm. and you have to deliberately make that choice to be vulnerable like once you make that choice then you can kind of start getting the ball rolling but until then if you just act like it doesn't matter then you if you don't make the the actual choice a deliberate choice to go about like making that change and it's never gonna it's never gonna happen mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's yeah. that's a, I, I like that i like that saying because that is important you do have the choice to to do whatever you want to do or at least strive towards that yeah mm -hmm. that's that's but like, like kevin was saying having having that like you were saying your dad having somebody to kind of show you the way is is amazing and i wish everybody had that but not everybody does yeah and unfortunately that can go real bad for some people but i have seen people who were raised with no father no money and they've become more successful than than a lot of people yeah and it's because they they made those choices themselves in life and and found the right way to do things if there is a right way you know what i mean right yeah yeah maybe a healthy way yeah yeah like <laughs> yes a healthy maybe a way that doesn't infringe on other people's rights or social or mental well-being mm -hmm. you yeah. know if you're going to take advantage of people continuously just to make a profit you know i'm not about that no you know, like no. people like people on wall street and fucking insurance companies it's like you just take advantage of people because you have some sort of control and power and you teach a whole society of people that it's all about control and power and then domination. And so you have young men that want to dominate, but they want to control. They don't really want to love somebody. They just want to dominate the significant other. Right? They want to have power. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why they, the whole toxic relationship movement came around. It's just people talking about that. It's just dominance. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I don't want anybody else to have you, but I'll do whatever the fuck I want. You know, like, <laughs> Well, that's and, like, like you were just saying, like the Wall Street thing. I think that's why that's over the past couple of weeks, the whole country's like cheering for that GameStop shit. Yeah. I, <laughs> Dude. I don't understand the stock market at all. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I know nothing about it. And I think most people like me who don't know, they're still like, fuck yeah, take them down. And I don't know shit about it, but you do know that there are people in power. They play that market and make money by doing 
probably not so nice things. Mm-hmm. And so people were like, take them down, you know? And so I think that's why the, and that's kind of funny. The country came together there for like a week. Yeah. <laughs> was over crazy, which was cool. Yes. No, that was super awesome. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't understand the stock market, but it's like, yeah. But if you're not in the boys club, then they're going to try to find a way to fuck you down. Mm. Like, oh, this isn't right. It's like, no, there's plenty of same game you are. There's not part of your Ivy League boys club, you know, no. elite white boys club. So, yeah, you're gonna try to shit on them. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous how, how, like, obviously they made that, you know. So, um, actually, I was going to ask you, yeah, how long have you been doing your podcast now? Oh, um, I started last year, I think, like in September, maybe October, September, October, somewhere around there. But it was, I mean, the main thing was just to kind of be like a beacon and show people is like the main thing was like having people figure out how to go about discovering purpose, just because purpose for me is something that's very important, something that I've like I most likely will probably do like a thing for my PhD for that. Mm-hmm. But it's the whole idea of the fact that like everybody is a former something and there's coming that if there's, there's going to come a point in time to where like they have no purpose in life or maybe they're trying to figure it out or maybe they have an idea and they just want to find a way to cement it or uh, make it more attainable. So for the podcast, we're just bringing in individuals who have lived through different avenues of life to basically give like a, a roadmap or a guide to help people reach their North star goals cool, or their purpose essentially. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, purpose for me is something that has always been, it's always been a keystone or like it's, it's something that's pivotal in my life that I want everybody to go about finding, because if you find your purpose, if whether that's work, you'll never work a day in your life because that's something that you, that you just enjoy and or love doing. Mm-hmm. If you find purpose and just like the way you live, I mean, there's real scientific data that shows you'll live longer. You have less chances of getting like heart diseases, having strokes or having like Alzheimer's, things like that. So the the main thing is to help people go about figuring out their purpose. And from there, giving people that have lived it uh, a platform to speak on their story so that they can go about learning from from others. How's that been for you doing a podcast? Like, did you have any experience with any of that before you started doing it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of the same for us. (laughs) No, it was just the thing that I was like, I want to do this. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to just make it happen. Yeah. See, that's what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. Just if you want to do something, at least try. At least like, like with our podcast, neither of us, we still don't know what the hell we're doing, but we're trying to figure it out as we go. And yeah we've been talking about doing this for like two years, but we never did. It was kind of scary. Kind of, I don't want people to hear me talk. I don't want people to see me on YouTube and I don't even know how to do it. And then one day we're just like, fuck it, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And some episodes are better than others when it comes to like the sound quality, stuff like that. Cause we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. But you have to start to get good at something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I had a guy tell me the other day that he went back, to our first episode we haven't been doing this that that long september yeah we started in september and 20 i think this is 21 episodes Mm -hmm. and i had a guy tell me you know he went he listened to our most recent he went back to the beginning and he's like man you guys it's gotten better i'm like well that's really good to hear because i'm i'm a really hard critic on myself and things i do and so i'm like every episode like well that fucking sucked and (laughs) i need to make it better which i think that's a good quality i'm trying to strive for to be better but it was cool to hear somebody outside of us tell me like hey you guys have gotten better as this has gone on the sound's gotten better everything's gotten better and yeah i think that's that's a, that's another thing that's important in life is have someone tell you you're doing okay yeah not for sure not everybody has that yeah and i think that's another path to success is i'm not saying you know people need to kiss your ass and tell you how cool you are but every now and then to hear like you're doing something good, that's, I think that's yeah. important. Right. Well, you don't want to do something and have someone shit on you, especially if you're someone who's right. We're shit on entire growing up. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I can, I can't succeed at anything. So I'm never going to yeah. try to anything, you know, it's like, well, well, that's not the way, right way you're looking at it. Maybe you're just around shitty fucking people, you mm-hmm. know, they need to get beat the fuck up. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, like back to like purpose. I mean, yeah. a big turnaround point for me was when I read, uh, 
man's search for meaning victor victor, oh, victor frankel, frankel. yeah oh that book's crazy yeah yeah and it's one of the craziest things is it was written in 1947 48 mm-hmm. like and the things he says like with automation more automation you will see more people with mental diseases mm-hmm. things get too easy when we're wired to be fucking running around cultivating nurturing and killing yep. and now we're just sitting around on computers like we haven't adapt our brains can't adapt that fast and you totally yeah. called it you know like you know all these mental illnesses are just people that need that purpose they need a drive a meaning yeah. you know and um and so that helped me a lot because coming out of the military you know and having issues and like okay so my me my purpose is being a mentor to my children mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not just being a dad being a mentor show them how to do even just something like tie a knot you know like be a mentor me- a, a, a in the social aspect and the physical aspect, right? Yeah. Teach them how to do things, teach them how to be just by showing. Like, can you be an yeah. affectionate person? Can you be show a caring person? So that gave me a lot of purpose because now I have this goal. Like, here's who I need yeah. to, like, I am this person, but here's who I really need to be to sharpen my skills for them, you know? Yeah. And it gave me a lot of purpose. It's like, fuck yeah. yeah. I got I, I got to become a better person so that they're good people, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. No, I like how you, so one thing I think that was really important that you just said was, it, I mean, what I took from it is that purpose doesn't have to be some like grandiose thing. No, You could find like d- discovering your purpose could be as simple as I want to be the best father that I can be to my kids. It could be something as big as like, I want to make a world impact on whatever social issues. Like it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing. It's something that innately you find within you that you're going to go about obtaining on an everyday basis. And one thing that I think is important when it comes to like figuring out purpose, is the fact that it's not an easy process, like <laughs> it's just hard. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of failures that come into it. There's a lot of things where you have to, like, you have to look yourself in the mirror and be like, do you really want to do this? Like, are you, you good? Mm-hmm. And you have to really like talk to yourself and like get it all figured out. Yeah. So like purpose is something, like I said, it's something that I, it really fascinates me because it's like a philosophical thing, but it has so many real life impacts on how you perform, how you do, how you live, like how you love, like it impacts everything. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. If you ever want to read a book, it's called uh, Life on Purpose by Victor Strecker. And he dives in, into the whole idea of purpose and how important it is and like the the sciencey side of it and, and everything. It's a really good book. He goes about showing people how you can go about molding your purpose. It's, it's really dope. Cool. Oh, nice. Thank you. Yeah, check that out. yeah I, I like what you just said about <clears throat> how purpose doesn't have to be a grandiose thing, because I, I agree with you 100%. I think if even just not even purpose in general, just having goals is mm-hmm. really, really good for a person. And like my my purpose is very similar to Kevin's. I'm a father. So that's something like I want them to be good human beings. That's yeah. that's my purpose in life. We got stuff falling off the walls next to Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> We, we have like the sound foam in here and it we have not found a way to keep it to stay up. it gets cold and then there's just... double-sided tape i think we we glued a couple of them and they've stayed but anyways <laughs> <laughs> but uh but no so like like i want to i want my kids to be good people and that's my purpose and i'm gonna fail and i have failed a thousand times and i'm gonna fail a thousand more it's and there's some things i do that i don't like about myself they're gonna see and they're i don't want them to do that but I'm going to mess up sometimes. And I think that's another important thing is admitting when you're fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's hard. That's really hard, especially with your own children. Like to tell them like, okay, dude, I was wrong there. That's, and that's something my parents did not, they didn't do. They, they were right. No matter what they were right. And I look back on that now. I'm like, they were so wrong on a, on a lot <laughs> of things, but it, cause it's hard. It's really hard to, to admit when you're wrong, but to somebody that you're raising a little human being, you're trying to turn into something to tell them like, shit, I'm wrong here. And you're right. It's hard to do. And I try to do it. And it might be, might be three days later when I'm like, shit, I mean, I was wrong. I got, I got to tell them, but it's, it's, I think what I'm getting at, it's important to admit when you're wrong and know you're going to, you're going to fail. It's failures inevitable with everybody, but you can keep going. Right. And like I said before, failure is the path forward. If you don't take the path, you're just in the same fucking place. Yeah. Hey, I should stop beating my kids. Cause you feel like a failure when you do it, but I'm not going to change anything about myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you're still going to be a, a shithead. You know, um, you got to be willing to change and become better or find help to become better. And yeah, well, I mean, how many yeah. people do you guys know 
that no matter what they do, shit's always going wrong for them. Oh, it's, it's continuously, there's one thing after yes. the next, wrong, wrong, wrong. And I know one specifically right now. So, so do I, so do I. And, <laughs> and I, I always try to like, look at when someone has problems, I, some, yeah. I, I always try to look at it with the eye of like, okay, maybe they're in a bad spot. Maybe they, it's not their fault. But then when you see it happen over and over and over, it's yeah. like, okay, you need to change something. You're putting yourself yeah. in bad spots. It's like you're craving this chaos and you're yeah. putting yourself there and you're not even, most of them aren't even aware of it. Yeah. And it's, that's unfortunate. And you see them doing it. And I think a lot of people that are at that point, you can't help them unless they, they realize that they're yeah. putting themselves in that spot. See, I, I like how you said that. So like the whole idea of self-awareness, but then tying that back to, you got to make a, a conscious choice after you have that self-awareness. Cause if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, it's just insanity. Like mm-hmm. the results not changing. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not doing anything with it. So no, yeah. I like that a lot. <clears throat> and I, I've seen it with, yeah. with friends and family and a lot of people. And I've probably been guilty of it myself at some point, I would imagine. But I, I hate when I see that, when you see somebody who's, they're they're just keep putting themselves in bad situations and nothing ever goes right for them and it's you don't want to be a dick and be like dude this is your fault like you're the reason your life sucks but maybe maybe they need to hear it too but yeah then again some a lot of times it's because it's never like you just said it's never their fault they refuse to change their perspective what was that sweet quote I came up with last week? It was like I came up with the top of my head back to like it was like a real quote. Oh yeah, if you change if you change the way you see things, the things you see change. Yeah, you did say that. Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, oh, you know that quote? I just I honestly just made it up to make conversation. But um, he's a, but, he, he's the philosopher of our time. Yeah, yeah. but it makes dropping dimes right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Actually, yeah. But anyway, um, um, yeah, because like if if you're looking through everything through that same fucking lens, that same filter all the time, yeah, yeah and shit's fucked up. It's probably because you're looking at things the wrong way. But just by the way, changing the way you see your reality, though everything changes. Like, oh wait, yeah. I can do that. I can do this. You know what? That's actually kind of cool. I was like not wanting to do that before. I was negative about it, but I can do it now. You know, kind of everything opens up to you if you just are willing to, I guess, mold into that environment or whatever you want want it to be. Maybe I don't know. I'm, I don't know. No, I agree with you that the whole idea of changing perspective and putting on a different lens. Because if you if you're looking through life through the same lens all the time and nothing's changing, obviously it's something that you should probably do on your end to to get a new perspective on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like that's what I was saying earlier about like surrounding yourself with people that are different than you. That's gonna help you see things a little different, maybe. And maybe yeah. maybe the way they see it's not right, but maybe it is. Maybe right. the way you're looking at stuff is is the wrong way. And somebody who's completely different than you, who has different life experiences, can show you a different way to go about something. Yeah. It's, and that's something like with this podcast, I I wanted to have people with different perspectives, but that's kind of hard to do with both Kevin and I, because we're pretty like down the middle on, on everything, almost everything. There's some things. Yeah. We'll take a side on, but it's hard to find people with like a completely crazy different perspective. Cause I can, I can almost see why people think what they do on any issue. Right. Like I don't, yeah, it's weird because a lot of people are so one-sided. I but I, we don't know a lot of them because we hang out with pretty decent people. I would yeah, say, yeah. And the ones that weren't, we kind of just filtered out. But yeah, like yeah, I want to have a conversation with someone who's just like over the top fucking vegan, so I can be like, hey, you know that nine hundred ton, nine hundred billion tons of methane are created from rice fields, right? <laughs> Which is more than the fucking cows. So yeah, like, but you know. People are just extreme on subjects. It's like, hey, come on, bring it down for a second. You're being, again, neurotic, you know. Um, but I want to have a conversation with someone who's like that because I just want to, like, I don't know, maybe just get in an argument. Like, just, <laughs> we always have really, always have really cool people on here. It's like, I just want one fucking asshole. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned that in the intro last week yeah. that, that we need to have a complete shithead come on here so we can disagree with them. Yeah. And it's it's hard to do. And I also think, like, once most people are confronted, they change yeah. if if they're wrong they don't like to like push it and that's that's not always true right and don't get me wrong i think it's i think it's important for people to have if you have something you believe in to stand up for it and maybe somebody else isn't going to see why you're doing that um because they have a totally different outlook on life than you but it doesn't mean you're wrong for standing up for it yeah. like 
like over this past year is a prime example with the protests and on both sides of the aisle, people don't can't relate to that other side typically. So they're like, what, what are these fucking people doing out there protesting? Why are they out there? And I think people should fucking go talk to those people, see why they're out there without yeah. violence, try not to be violent about it. And that's like the BLM protests or the pro Trump protests. And then there's me, like I said, I'm down the middle there on a lot of things. And I, I look at people I'm like, I, I don't understand either side. Cause I'm not, I'm not so far on either side, but I do understand people wanting to be treated equal and they haven't fucking been treated equal and they need their voices needs to be heard. Yeah. And it's like, I, I know a lot of guys who are kind of older conservative people. And like, those are the type of guys who are, why are they having these fucking protests? Well, it's like, you don't even know what somebody has gone through in their life. You have no idea. And not, nor do I, but there was what's that comedian uh andrew schultz oh yeah yeah have you have you seen his little well he netflix. has a thing on netflix now yeah because yeah. he was doing those on instagram and i've been watching yeah. and I, I fucking love that guy i also like how he hits both sides yeah, yeah. Hard, he but, doesn't care he just goes after oh, yeah. I, I love it i love <laughs> just it. listening and like he had one about like the black lives matter protest and he said like you want him you want people to be quiet well or do it peacefully they did that when this person was killed. They did that when this person was killed. And they've been doing it for fucking 100 years. Like, what's the next step you yeah. to get people to notice you? And I think, like, me personally watching that, hearing him say that, it opened my eyes a little bit. Like, shit, he's, he's fucking right. Right. People feel like they've been looked down upon and nobody spoke up for him. I mean, you you could probably speak out on that more than me being a black man. I mean, yeah. you've lived it. <laughs> you've lived it. And I haven't. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. that bottled. It's that bottled chaos. You know, it comes out, came out in the seventies. It come came out what nineteen ninety three. You know, and it came out in the last few years multiple times. But it's because it's like, yeah, it comes out like that because it's bottled. It's bottled up, and then it's yeah. can't go anywhere. But then everyone that hates on it, it's like, yo, one guy dies and they all freak out. It's like, no, that was the six hundredth one, mm-hmm. and and it was bottled up and it had nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah. Like you got to look at the history. You can't just take these single events. Just like it's like the Vietnam War, what led up to that? It goes back to like 1955, right? Like every war we had built up from 10 years prior, at least, just like any social events happening in the United States, it's been something that's building up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I got to look at it that way. No, it's wild. Like, <laughs> I personally think it's wild. I mean, from my perspective, I thought it was crazy. Yeah. Just because you, you see it's, I mean, <clears throat> growing up, black like you you experience certain things like you you know that certain like when a cop pulls you over all right you need to be like the most attentive like yes sir no sir ready to go mm-hmm. you don't say anything back you just live to fight another day but i just <laughs> i always thought it was crazy how and this is just my perspective and i'm pretty positive other black people may like feel this way as well but just knowing how to put on like the the face or whatever just to like live another day just so you don't get put in this specific box or you don't sound like this specific thing or look like this specific thing so you don't get like put okay this person's hood because they're acting like this or this person's this because they're acting like this and that's something that I had to struggle with pretty much my whole life because like going from so I originally grew up in uh, South Central Los Angeles before I moved to Rancho so once I moved to Rancho people were like oh you're from this specific area how come you don't act hood how come you act whitewash and it's like I'm not acting whitewash I'm just trying to live my life regularly like I yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't need to act like this to to be me like black doesn't mean i act hood or i gotta be in a gang or do yeah. whatever whatever it's just me being myself like i i'm i'm me i'm act like me so why don't don't look at me any different because mm-hmm. i'm acting like this so i don't know like when it comes to the whole idea like with the with the protests and everything i wish we could view it in a lens of like a child to where it's like treat people right just because you should treat people right not just based on skin color da 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 sexual orientation whatever you choose just like treat them how like treat it like everybody's at play like we're kids and mm-hmm. everybody's treated the same exact way yeah. and life would be so much better will that ever happen probably not <laughs> but i'm saying like it, it'll be way way smoother because i mean the same thing that i grew up with is this like it's probably something similar that 
a Hispanic kid probably grew up with. Like it, you move to different areas and you're from a specific like race, you you get clowned on for looking like this, you get clowned for being like that, you get called this, you get called that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just becomes kind of second nature. And if people just viewed, I feel like people just viewed it like in a lens of a child, it'd be, all this shit would probably dissipate. Yeah, but it's probably. Well, yeah. and that's, yeah. it's sad that people have to live that way. Um, but that's how it's been. And that's how it has been for a long time. I think when it comes to like, and this isn't just a race thing, when it comes to people being different, we're probably in a better place now than we've ever been. I for sure. I, I would guess <laughs> I, like we've made a lot of progress, but there's still, there's still fucking issues. Like I, yeah. my, my wife is Hispanic and both of my kids are half Mexican and I've seen a little racism with that. And that's from both sides. You know, I've seen people look at me like, why is he with her? that are that are mexican dudes and racism fucking exists it's a thing and no i don't think everybody that like like i hate i hate when people generalize like you voted for trump you're racist it's like no i don't think so like i know good people that voted for him they really like right and they're not racist they're good people and it's the same thing on the other side like if you vote for biden you're a communist or whatever it's like no that's not not true um no it's because people that are younger or just it's easy to manipulate them you know they're like 19 year olds walking around with ars like yeah we want trump you don't really have fucking real ideas of your own you're clearly stupid and someone's fed you stuff so you're emulating what you think you should be doing and then the older person who's i would say at a minimum of 40 45 years old is doing it because they're stuck in their ways right and we know that as you get older dopamine kind of slowly goes down testosterone goes down especially in our stressful environments we have now testosterone is lower at a younger age right and those are two things that keep you malleable dopamine testosterone keep you you know i mean those are going down and you're really going to be stuck in your ways you know that old grumpy man who's like those kids don't have fucking skateboards (laughs) his old testosterone is low dopamine's low so he's not fucking happy hey i've I've felt like that a couple times okay right (laughs) you're tired you're tired you ate like too much sugar so the next day your just a little low and you're like fuck this fuck life fuck my neighbor and his stupid fucking dog you know (laughs) and that's all it is it's just a chemical reaction so you got to really like you got to set if you're going to be setting your ways and you get older then you might as well have good foundation of human character development prior to that. So that, that sticks with you. And that development will also make you someone who understands that. So that when you're older, you continue to learn new things so that you'll still have that and have a malleable, malleable brain. Yeah. But I see the most people I've seen that are stuck in their ways that hardcore on the right or left are people that aren't doing anything. That like goes back to the conversation we had earlier. They're not doing anything. They're maybe doing their nine to five if they're not retired yet and they're going home and drinking and watching Netflix and they do that on repeat. They're not doing anything. And so they are not malleable and they're stuck in their ways and they're neurotic and they're fucking dick faces, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like also like a lot of people, when it comes to conversations with race, they're so uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think if more people had conversations like we're having right now, people wouldn't be as uncomfortable. Right. If you just, talk to like i said we're not all that fucking different you, we have different color skin big deal if you had that conversation about race and i think if like the general public had that conversation more often and i'm not saying walk up to somebody who's a different color you're gonna yeah. be like let's talk about race Dude, that's like, was <laughs> but, like the very first episode of uh it's always sunny philadelphia so awkward it was like 2005 when it came out the very first episodes were like the the sister of the guy who owns the bar like brings her like black friend in right and she thinks that he wants to go out with she doesn't know he's gay and uh and like they're all awkward with him you know and he's like dude like i just want to hang out like you know whatever and it's all hanging out and then they think because he's black that he's he's telling the story about like yes i walked to some mexican guy in the bar and he was like do you want to fuck my shit up or what he's like yeah and i took him out back and i fucked his ass up and they're like yeah he was beating his ass you know and he's like because he was gay though he was talking about having sex with him in the alley <laughs> but because they had this lens on they thought like he was talking about like fucking some guy up you know yeah because he's black and he had to be like hard you know what yeah I mean? so that was like that whole episode is just fucking completely racist by the way <laughs> but it just shows like how like those people aren't around that so they don't have those yeah. conversations and they're completely so it makes them look extremely racist yeah you know like well and- like like I was saying about like those older guys that are stuck in their ways, they might not be racist either. They might just 
be so like you were saying about you've never been around someone that's different than you so you're scared of it and i, I don't know the, like i was saying the conversations with race i think it's it's not hard it's not hard it's uncomfortable but it's not hard to have those conversations and i agree i, I think if there was more conversations like like this or that people would see things through a different lens yeah yeah I think being open as well, just because like you said, we're going to have like, people are going to have beliefs that are just like better combating mm-hmm. just being open enough to actually have that conversation than not to take uh, a disagreement or a difference as a slight against another person. Yeah. Like it's okay to not, it's okay to not agree on everything. The world would be a weird ass place if For we sure. agreed on every <laughs> single thing. For sure. Yeah. So I think it's, it's yeah. openness. Yeah. And cause conflict is good. And, what I mean, conflict. I mean, yeah, just pressure, a little bit of pressure to strive someone to become better. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, that's like Kevin told me a while back. We were talking about race, and you were saying something about when you were in the military, you did not give a fuck what color somebody was that was fighting next to you. Oh yeah, that was the last thing you thought about, yeah. and because you're there for the same same goal. Yeah, just you like know? you don't care what color someone is or if someone's gay if a meteor is about to hit the earth. Mm-hmm. That shift has changed. That that notion was only there because again, you lacked probably purpose. So you're fixating on something and it's easy to fixate on differences Mm -hmm. because it's called narcissism. And we're in a society that's, if you do this different than our way, the government, you're fucking bad. Right? So if you're different from me, you must be bad. Like it's all, it just, it's that whole mindset, you know, until you have that bigger common goal or purpose Mm -hmm. Now it's like, oh, who gives a fuck about that? I'm worried about that right now. Yeah. And we need to work together. You well, know? like, I think we all do have that bigger common goal. People just don't see it. We all want to yeah. be happy. We all want to be comfortable. We want our kids to be raised right. We all have the same fucking goals in life. And I think if people took a step back and and realized that, we'd be so much better off. Yeah. yeah. But See, but oh, yeah. I think that's why things like sports or the military is great because you get used to those differences. Like, it's not even like it's different. It's just a whole bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what you are, who you are. Like you said, we have one common goal. And I'm pretty sure, like, you could attest to this. It's just you trust that you trusted that individual, like, with your life. Like, in the same way, like, for sports, like, I trusted the guys on my left and my right to be there for me no matter what. It doesn't matter what race we were. It doesn't matter what religion we were. It doesn't matter where we grew up at. It's like we're all centralized to get from point A to point Z. And I got this person's back and they got mine. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Have, having that common goal. Yeah, seriously. It really is. Whether it's sport or military or whatever. If you can find find something to one thing to agree on, then I think you can find other things. Yeah. yeah. That's, oh yeah that's good like oh hey you're a decent person too wow yeah no shit <laughs> who'd have thought like man like do you want to make some macaroni and cheese and hang out yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and that's the other like even though you're raised in different places and shit you probably had some of the same like some similar shit growing up and yeah. and if people sat down and just had a little conversation and i mean there's a a million podcasts and you'll hear that on podcasts you'll hear people from different backgrounds talk and and I think that's important. I think there should be yeah, fucking yeah. more podcasts or just more conversations. But I think the recording of the conversations what's important because then other people yeah, can yeah. hear it, you know, and and realize that we're not all that different. Yeah. And then they can go have a conversation with somebody that they wouldn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not saying just go up to some random guy that's different race than you and be like, <clears throat> I want to talk about race. Let's go. Cause you're probably no. getting smacked. But but I think it is important if that if that time comes up where you can have a conversation it's going to be uncomfortable but don't be scared because yeah. i mean what what's to be scared of you either you're gonna walk away being like oh that guy was an asshole or you're gonna walk away having a different perspective that might be better yeah what you had yeah or that person might whoop your ass yeah or you might get your ass kicked <laughs> just but, because just because either. but take the risk man yeah <laughs> all right well i guess we could we probably wrap this up we had about an hour okay and we do i appreciate you coming on on a on a monday night <laughs> no, yeah. thank, thank you no, no thank you for having, having me man. man like i got i got no issue coming on and, and talking with you i've been dope yeah well yeah. I, I appreciate you reaching out to me man when you reached out and you sent me that message saying you know you liked what we were doing that was that meant a lot to me and i told kevin about it and i'm yeah. sure it meant a lot to him too mm-hmm. um and that, that's that's cool it's cool to get some 
some feedback. Like I was saying, you were one of those people. Yeah. You gave me some feedback, and that meant a lot. And and we've heard, you know, I know you're you're friends with Spencer. Yeah. And the way I'm looking, I'm like, well, if Spencer likes this guy. He must be a good dude. Right. Yeah. Spencer's a good dude. So, so yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on, and um, I'll message you and stuff, and we'll 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 stay in contact. No, for sure. Hope so. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. If you're if you ever come to Boise, man, hit us up. I plan to be out there. I think sometime this year. Hopefully, yeah. if the uh, spring games happen in this year, I'll be down there. Cool, nice. man. Yeah, yeah. If if you're around, hit us up. We'll get together. Oh, for sure, for sure. All right, man. We'll talk to you. All righty. Peace out.